You know, when I was a kid, I had a pet frog. What? Just give me a second. Let me tell you this, okay? I had this pet frog. His name was Froggy. He was my best friend in the whole world. I didn't have a lot of friends. Matter of fact, okay, I had no friends. And uh, I used to kiss the frog, too. And I thought maybe uh, it would turn into a princess since I was a boy and uh, it could be my, uh, my mother. They told me that she left or something, and my father was no bargain. And so just the frog, Froggy, was my friend. And I really loved him, and I took him everywhere with me. And I was riding him on my bike one day, and he jumped out of the box, and uh, I ran him over with the back tire. I killed him. I was really heartbroken, really. He was my best friend in the whole world, the only thing I ever loved. And then I met you and Roger. And you guys really looked after me a lot more than you really had to. I'm terrible to you, Leo. No, no. It's okay. It's okay. You're my family and my friends. You're not better friends than Froggy. You're just different. And uh, I just thought that maybe that might be relevant. You sure picked a strange angel, honey. But I got the message. Is he back? Too much armor on, I can't tell! No, not him! The father of the baby! Okay! Please let him be back! And I'm freeing slaves! I'm freeing slaves! Like no one did for my ancestors, okay? Please, this is my chance to do something to do it right. Oh. Why didn't you say so? I mean, this is not gonna be boring. Uh, need any help? Okay. <laughs> you think Sean's the own kind? <laughs> oh, stop it. You guys got me in stitches. <laughs> okay, okay. Hey, uh, hey, Riggs, who's the uh, perp? What'd you bust him for? Oh, I'm a perp? Oh, you see a young brother in the back of a police car automatically, I'm a perp? Look at my suit. Look at my tie. What do I look like, the Fripps accountant? Look at this badge. Check out the gun. Okay, okay, hey, hey, okay, put the gun down, put the gun down. License, registration, okay. urine sample. Hey, I got a badge too, okay? Hey, German Jews didn't have it any easier when we were kids. Are you all friends? No. We're family. Okay, on three. One, two, three. Welcome to Sweep Delay Podcast. This is your host with the most, Mike McMasunas. How's everybody doing today? I'm doing great, guys. I'm very excited to be back and to be discussing the final Lethal Weapon, Lethal Weapon 4. This has been a super fun series for me to do and uh, kind of sad to see it go, but I'm excited at the same time because as this chapter is closing, a new one is opening. As you guys know, the Rocky series starts next week. And I'm sure a bunch of you out there are very excited for that. And as you know, with Lethal Weapon 4, this was the one I've seen the least amount in the series. And I'm kind of excited to be talking about this and give you my thoughts and how I feel about this movie. I mean, it's been so long since I've seen it. But before we get into all those fun details, let's get into some movie and music news. If you're sick. Go 
you do don't seem to matter you try but it's no use your world is getting blacker when every time you fail has no answer every empty promise made is a reminder no guys first up in movie news that i wanted to talk about and yeah, could be considered a little bit of a spoiler but i guess it depends on how you take it if you subscribe to entertainment weekly or you want to hit the newsstands as you know this week was the release of the man of steel cover of entertainment weekly and they do some talking about the film and there's one particular spoiler if you will that came out that uh, you know, I'm gonna tell you right now what it is. So if you don't want to hear it, you know, maybe fast forward just like a you know a minute or two. But it's essentially the difference that this movie is going to take compared to all the other Superman uh, stuff in the past and the mythos, and that's the fact of Kryptonite is not going to be coming into play in Man of Steel. Uh, they said it was you know kind of dumb that he's be weakened by a bunch of glowing rocks and they didn't want to throw that into this as we're trying to make this the most realistic as possible and uh i'm kind of down with that man it's cool I- i'm excited to see where they're going to take this i'm pretty much totally open-minded on this whole movie and what they're planning on doing i really don't have any nitpicks that i want to make or request or anything like that i just want to see a great film is all i want and i hear the trailer is going to be coming out soon and there's some pretty cool pictures in this article and uh, i haven't read it myself i know about what's in the article from what i've been reading online so I will be getting that on Monday. I have a friend of mine who subscribes to Entertainment Weekly. I used to, but it cost a lot of money. And I just finally ran out of funds, so I quit subscribing to that. But I have a friend who has that cover. She doesn't really care about Superman, so she said I can totally have it when she comes back into work on Monday. So I'm excited for that, and I'm going to read it. And then maybe the next episode, I'll talk about some other things that were in the article. But that's kind of the big news that's hit in regards to Man of Steel. So... If that's a problem for you, let me know. You know, tell me your thoughts, all that stuff. I'm I'm open to it. I'm excited to see what they're gonna do with it. Okay, so today we had two new posters that were premiered to us today. The first one that was released was Star Trek Into the Darkness. Uh, really cool picture. It's got uh, the Voyager, I believe, is the name of the ship. Sorry, guys, I'm not really a big Star Trek fan, but it's uh it's kind of like uh, the half of the picture shows the outside of the earth and then you have the spaceship crashing down with the smoke coming out of it and uh, whatever the main ship is that they use forgive me I don't remember the name of it like I said I'm not a huge Star Trek fan but I definitely dig the poster I've heard great things about the very first movie and I have still yet to watch that movie I do have plans on it. I've just not got around to it so I'm sure uh, when I see that, of course, I'm going to watch Star Trek Into the Darkness, but I'm not going to go see that in the theater, of course. 
But one movie I am going to see in the theater is The Wolverine and uh, an international poster. Both of these were international posters. Looks really cool. It's uh, kind of got half of the poster is kind of like a, a grayish color. The other one's kind of like a very, very vague yellow color with uh, Chinese symbols on it. Looks really cool. And it says Samurai on the poster. I really dig it. Looks really cool. I'm getting more pumped up by the minute. Every time I see images of this movie, I really dug the trailer. Keeping in the comic book related things, if you guys remember, which I kind of told you, it was just a rumor. That's the whole Christopher Nolan and Christian Bale coming back. Well, the WB president came out and said Christopher Nolan is not involved with Justice League. So that means the Dark Knight trilogy stays safe. Nobody jacks around with it. It stays precious in our hearts. And I'm excited for that. Good times. Now, uh, what he did say about this movie in regards to Man of Steel, uh, Man of Steel producer Chris Rovin says that the upcoming movie is going to pave the way for future films. He said that it sets the tone for what the movies are going to be like going forward. Man of Steel is definitely the first step. Nolan's Dark Knight series was deliberately and smartly positioned as a standalone. The world of the films live in a very isolated without any knowledge of other superheroes. What Zack and Chris have done with this film is allow you to really introduce other characters into the same world. So the idea still remains that Man of Steel would open the door to Justice League, but we are not getting the return of Christopher Nolan or Christian Bale. So... There you go. Uh, He's officially confirmed that rumor is dead. And finally, in movie news, to follow up on what I talked about in the last episode about the Fast and Furious 7 director, James Wan is in talks to direct this movie. Now, this guy, he's an Aussie-born filmmaker. Um, He's behind Saw, Insidious, and The Conjuring, which is kind of weird that they would go to this guy to be the director. Um, I don't know how I feel about this, man. They mentioned that it would bring in some fresh blood, but I mean, if this guy, this would really be his first forte into action and everything. Uh, I mean, bring in Rob uh, Cohen from the first movie, but then again, most people don't like that guy anyway, so I guess I'll just have to wait and see how things go. Uh, I'm still not happy that they're rushing this so fast. It is what it is, guys. So. Uh, Let's move into some quick music news that I have for you guys. Now, I have three quick stories for you because I have a lot to talk about in regards to Lethal Weapon, so I kind of want to get through this news fast. The first one is if you guys are fans of Paramore, which their new album just came out, they're aiming for the number one album spot on the Billboard 200 chart. Uh, A lot of fan favorites out there dig this band, and uh, they're aiming for number one spot. We'll find out next week if they officially hit that. It is a self-titled release, but hopefully it'll kind of beat Justin Timberlake and, and Bradley or Brad Paisley off the top of the list. The second story, which is kind of funny, is uh, Avril Lavigne is uh, coming back. She hasn't released an album for a little bit, but her what's the news though is who she's collaborating with, which is going to be uh, a pop rock, you know album which is normal uh she has some piano ballads on there but the one that is the most crazy is the fact that she's doing a song with marilyn manson and uh man that should be very interesting you know it's hard to say how that song is going to come out but i'm very interested to hear how 
you know, where the musical style is going to go. Is it going to lean more towards Marilyn Manson's heavy metal kind of thing? Or is it going to go more towards the pop rock style of Avril Lavigne? I can't wait to hear it. Uh, she's 28 years old, believe it or not. But I can't wait to hear it. I'm very curious to see where it goes. And the final bit of news I have, which is pretty awesome, as you guys know, uh, I started off movie music news with a tune, as I always do. Well, that one is currently the number one rock song in all of iTunes. And here's what's cool. Uh, the name of this song, as you can tell, is Sick of It by my, fav- by my second favorite band, Skillet. Now, this song just came out Tuesday. And within an hour and 45 minutes, the song went strictly to number one on the iTunes rock chart. It's currently staying at number one. So if you go to the category of rock, there it is. Number one, Skillet, Sick of It. What I just find so incredible is how fast it went to number one. You know, it uh, just came out and instantly went to number one. You know, of course, there are new albums that come out and instantly hit number one. But it's just... I. I don't really recall seeing a single that fast climb the charts. It was pretty cool. So pretty exciting. I love the song. I dig it. It's good time. So I was going to have some video game news for you guys uh, in regards to Batman Arkham Origins. I am going to wait on that for the next episode and talk that. Um, There's some concerns I have with that, but I kind of want to save my time and talk about uh, Lethal Weapon 4 because there's a lot of things that need to be said in this movie review. So that is it, guys, for movie and music news. Uh, Let's get into the review of Lethal Weapon 4. Hello? 
Hello? Hello? phones, man. You get a call, they cut you off. You make a call, they cut you off. What's the point? I never Don't get... you know what they're doing, kid? That's... They f*** you with cell phones. That's what it is. They're f***ing you with the cell phone. They love when you get cut off. You know why? Huh? You know why? Because when you call back, which they know you're going to do, they charge you for that f***ing first minute again at that high rate. If you're lucky enough to be able to call back because the three-hour battery you got only lasts for 20 minutes. Or what if you're behind a f***ing hill and it's going... Oh, you're you going through a damn anyway. tunnel or some man and they keep making it smaller you know why they make them this small so you can lose them why so you have to buy more phones i never lost my mother's phone took you two hours to make a damn long distance call four five oh i messed up hang up gotta do it again four Five. I never lost my Sports Illustrated swimsuit phone. And how about the f***ing scanners? These idiots, they get your phone number, and then they make calls oh, all over the world. Oh, somebody took my number oh, happened to and you? called Afghanistan. Afghanistan? Okay, okay, Afghanistan? Okay. I don't know nobody in Afghanistan. I don't know what f***ing Afghanistan looked like. And even if I did, I would not talk to their Afghan ass for three hours. I won't talk to my daddy for three hours. They f*** you, they f*** you, they f*** you with the cell phones. Hey, you know what happens when you go to a drive-thru? They get you any... All right, Lethal Weapon 4. A little bit sad to say that this is going to be the last time that I say Lethal Weapon in a conversation almost because, you know, this is the last movie, of course. And as I mentioned earlier, this was the movie that I've seen the, the least amount of times. And it's not because I didn't like the movie. In fact, I kind of told you guys earlier that I had seen three numerous times i seen four three times, and I remember liking four over three. The reason I never watched it more than three times is it was either never on TV. My wife uh, does not like the Lethal Weapon series. She doesn't like cop series in general, so it's not like I can just throw this movie on and, you know, it's all hunky-dory in the house without being yelled at, hey, turn that crap off kind of thing. So it's just it's never on TV or anything like that. And um, I haven't seen this movie in... Oh, at least 10 years. I mean, at least. And uh, I was excited to revisit it. And I have to admit, when I was watching this movie, there was so much that I did not remember. And it was like I watched this for the very first time. There was maybe three scenes max that I remembered, but it was good stuff. So I'm excited to talk about it. And uh, this movie came out in 1998. And uh, the gang is all here is the tagline of the poster. And it is. Everybody's back. We have good old Mel Gibson, Danny Glover, Joe Pesci, Rene Russo. We get a new character of Chris Rock. And Jet Li, is, this is his first American movie, which is awesome. Uh, this He was the most impactful person for me watching this because of this film. I watched Jet Li films going forward. I actually thought he was going to be a bad guy in every single film. It was actually, this is one of the few films where he's actually a bad guy. And, um, you know, it's the fourth installment in the series. And, of course, it's directed by Richard Donner again. And, man, just imagine, if Richard Donner had done all the Superman movies, I bet you they wouldn't have been the crap that they turned into, you know, really. Uh, it's just it's awesome to have so much consistency I, I I mean I sound like a broken record this is the most consistent series I've ever seen you know may you could probably argue back to the future is the most consistent and I'm cool with that you can see that's fine but lethal weapon if not the most consecutive series is by far the second most consecutive series uh, that I've ever seen 
what's beautiful is it's four parts. It's not three parts. So I can say that, you know, is this the best quadrilogy I've ever seen in my entire life? Well, we'll find out. Uh, I've heard others say that Alien is their favorite, but I've never seen all the Alien films, so I can't make that comparison. So to kind of pull things back and let you know essentially what happens in this movie, uh, this movie had a budget of $100 million and it made $285 million. So it was kind of weak compared to the other films box office wise, which it is what it is. So kind of refresh your memory a little bit about what happens in this film. We have a little bit of change in this movie. We have Lorna, a.k.a. Renee Russo. She's pregnant in this movie. We'll talk about further uh, character development from where we were at from the beginning of the series to where we are in the end we'll, when we get into the details. But essentially... Uh, you know, of course, she's with uh, Martin Riggs, a.k.a., you know, Sergeant Martin Riggs. Uh, they're not married, though. You know, they have a baby. Uh, takes place about almost before she's about ready to give birth. It's about like nine, you know, maybe nine months. You know, really, childbirth is 10-month period. They always say nine months, which is always weird. But technically, babies don't come for 10 months. But I don't know how that urban myth ever happened. But whatever. This isn't a baby show. Uh, but they do talk about getting married, but it's kind of thrown away here and there, and then they just kind of move on. So then we have uh, Roger Murtaugh. His daughter, Rianne, is also pregnant. Not only is she pregnant, but she's secretly in, uh, married to uh, Chris Rock. His name is Lee Butters, which they have a fun time in the film of constantly changing his name. Uh, but it's a secret. You know, only Lorna knows it that uh, secretly married all that fun stuff but you know he's a young detective uh, that just kind of sucks up to roger the whole time because he wants he wants roger to like him and roger eventually will kind of think he's gay and uh, what's really cool about this film is we go back to the old school style of the storytelling where you didn't know what was going on. The story unfolds as you go versus like part three right away. They told you this is your bad guy. Here's your cop killers and move on versus in the first movie. You didn't know what was going on and you had to see the story unfold. So they go back to the old school movie of part one, which is awesome because Throughout this movie, I'm kind of like, okay, I, I don't get what's going on. And then as it's, go, you know, as the movie, as the story's progressing, I'm like, ah, okay, I get it. That's what's going on, you know, fun times. So I did like that aspect of how they did things. So in the beginning of the film, you have an awesome opening, which we'll get into details, but it causes major destruction. So due to all the major disasters that these guys have been causing, both of the sergeants get called into the captain's office. And because the police department lost its insurance carrier and they can't get a new one while they're out on the streets. So instead of firing them, the chief decides that he's going to promote them to captains, which is where things are just so much fun in this movie. So we have uh, Riggs, Murtaugh, and then we have Butters. Uh, we have, of course, Leo is back as always. Now his hair is back to normal. Uh, he's now a private detective. And really, as the movie progresses, you're going to find out that there's um, Chinese immigration going on. There's smuggling going on. They uncover it uh, after they find these Chinese slave laborers. Uh, Murtaugh's boat gets sunk. That's kind of how they find these slave laborers. And uh, Murtaugh actually takes the family to his house. So, you know, he can kind of free the slaves because he doesn't want them to get deported back and 
go back to being slave laborers. Now, during this movie, we get introduced to Uncle Benny. Now, Uncle Benny is essentially this crime boss. Uh, he's real funny. Uh, leads them to Chinatown where they get introduced to this high-ranking triad negotiator named uh, Wa Sing, a.k.a. Jet Li. Now, Benny forces you know these three uh, to get out of his restaurant without providing any information on uh, his or the triad's plans. You know, it's a real funny scene. We'll get into the details, but, you know, they just can't get a break. You know, they kind of have an idea what's going on, but they're not getting any answers. Now, there was a captain of a ship earlier that got away uh, from Riggs, and when they leave Uncle Benny's restaurant, they encounter him, and they chase him and another suspect. Well, the other suspect turns out to be the restaurant uh, waiter. He gets freed, but the guy that got away, he gets killed uh, by Jet Li's character for letting the cops know about their secret plans. So Riggs Murtaugh, they hire Leo to follow Benny around, drive him crazy. But after Hong, the father of a Chinese uh, family that Murtaugh had rescued earlier in the film, he contacts his uncle they come home to find that uh, Jet Li's character and his men are holding Lorna and the Murtaugh family hostage and Hong and his family have been taken away. So there's a brief crazy fight. I mean, this movie is kind of like a martial arts film, which is just so much fun. Their house gets set on fire. I mean, I was like devastated when I watched this. And really, these guys would have died. But luckily... Uh, there was this kid named Ping. He's one of Hong's children. Uh, he has he they, he wasn't found. He he actually finds some scissors, cuts them free. They all get out of the burning house, and uh, Murtaugh Riggs chase down two of the triad members down on this freeway. Uh, both of those, of course, both of the guys they get killed. And of course, we got to have the car chase during this car, uh, you know, chase we had. That's where they get killed. And uh, they don't get any information on where the Hong's whereabouts are. Now, Jet Li's character and his men, they go and visit this Chinese-based holding cell. It's being run by this Chinese general. Uh, and what his job is is that he's holding these four triad overlords. They're known as, quote-unquote, forefathers. Now, one of those guys is Jet Li's brother. And, you know, in order to get him released... Uh, he needs a huge payoff from the triads, and that's kind of the kind of the plot in regards to Jet Li's character, why he's so relentless and will do whatever it takes to get the money he needs to get his brother released. So, you know, as I said, this story kind of unfolds as you're watching it, unlike, you know, in part three where they just flat out tell you, well, here's the story and, and ride with it. Now we have Riggs, Murtaugh, they go back to their house, uh, you know, the fire's finally ended. They're just kind of looking around and there's no house left. But Leo shows up and so does Butters. You know, of course, he wants to see how um, Rianne's doing, but, you know, they haven't told the dad yet. And Leo lets them know that they're going to, uh, that Benny's going to the dentist. So they use Leo to distract the dentist so that way they could go and interrogate Benny. So what they do is they use nitrous oxide to extract the information from Benny. But by doing that, it accidentally gets them messed up. And that's where the reveals come into play that, you know, Butters is Rianne's husband, father of the baby. He's not gay. Uh, Rig, you know, Murtaugh finds out that Riggs uh, had been holding this information. 
and uh, it, it gets to be real funny. But at least at this point in the story, we have all of those kind of secrets, if you will, are out. Uh, but they misunderstand the information that Benny provides them, and it leads them to some complications in their investigation. What happens is is that um, Jet Li brings the Wongs to the Triad's hideout where they have this plan to use counterfeit Chinese money. That's what they're going to use to pay off the the captain to get the forefathers released. The um, The uncle of the Hongs, he's an artist, and he's working on doing the printing plates. But he gets, uh, unfortunately, he says that, you know, I'll finish when my family gets released. But, you know, Hong gets killed in the process. Um, and, and Hong and uh, Murtaugh earlier in the film really became good friends. And he was such, he was a really nice guy. He, he really cared about this guy. But once he gets killed, then he knows that he needs to finish the job. So when the printing plates, they get completed, uh, Benny and him, uh, you know, Benny gets killed. Uh, the uncle gets killed. So essentially there's no evidence left behind, nothing that would expose the forgery that these guys have been doing. So these guys are real slick. I mean, they're not a triad for nothing, right? Now, luckily for the guys, there's a Chinese detective on the force. His name's Detector, uh, Detective G. He's familiar, of course, with Chinese society. And uh, he corrects Murtaugh and the other officers on the information that Benny provided earlier. You know, because they only had bits and pieces that they were able to get, but it didn't make sense. So as they're kind of saying it out loud, he overhears. He clarifies the information and he explains to them that uh, that's why the triads had torched Murtaugh's home, you know, to get the family that he needed to force this guy to finish the plates and also to leave no witnesses behind because Murtaugh and Riggs are just a major pain in his ass and he just wanted to uh, get rid of them. So Riggs picks up uh, Lorna and Ping is staying with them. So they almost get killed by uh, waiting for a train to come and they're kind of confessing about marriage and uh, that's when they almost get killed by the triad trying to get them thrown into a train but luckily it works out to where Riggs gets out of the way in time and all is well and then they get really pissed off and they want to go after these guys. They do find uh, the hideout uh, but they only find uh, you know the dead guys and uh, some of the counterfeit Chinese money inside. Uh, which, of course, Detective G once again helps them piece the entire operation together on how things are working. And that's how they put pieces together of the plates and the fake money, how they're going to pay off the general with the fake money so that way they can get the forefathers. All, you know, just a big conspiracy. A lot of, you know, like I said, it's cool how this kind of unfolds in front of you like the first movie. So they decide that at the meeting between Jet Li and the corrupt general, Riggs, Murtaugh, Butters, uh, they take a couple of the other detectives. They're going to expose the counterfeit money, and uh, which, of course, is going to piss off the general. And he decides he's going to kill them. He actually kills three of the four fathers, uh, which, of course, Jet Li's brother is one of the guys that uh, gets away. There's a huge gunfight going on, and uh, Butters gets shot in the back because he takes a bullet for Murtaugh. Murtaugh uh, shoots Jet Li's brother while he's trying to aim for him. So then we have the big fight, the big showdown. Jet Li versus Riggs, Murtaugh on a pier. And uh, it gets, it's an amazing, amazing fight. Uh, Murtaugh gets knocked out though. 
after he uh, impales Jet Li. But what happens is after the fight's over, Riggs uh, falls off because there's a piece of rebar that kind of breaks off. He falls into the water and he's fighting with Jet Li in the water and um, and kills him. And then when he gets back up, uh, the pier collapses. And then as it collapses and he goes underwater, there's a big piece that falls on him. That's when uh, Murtaugh is waking up and doesn't really know what's going on. So, you know, like first time I watched this, I thought, oh, my God, they're going to kill off Riggs. But uh, essentially he knows, uh, he just kind of feels it, that Riggs is underwater. And he jumps in and there's a real awesome scene he saves them so you're thinking that the movie is over i mean you're like wow what a climax but nope they know that this is the last movie and they finish things off and they close a lot of doors and it's awesome so here's kind of the last bit what happens is Riggs throughout the movie he wants to marry lorna but he just can't let go of his first wife so he goes and visits his dead wife at the grave asking for advice about if he should marry Lorna or not. And uh, Leo shows up. And, uh, you know, of course, Leo pretty much is the comic relief of the whole entire series. But we have a genuine, beautiful moment between him and, uh, you know, Leo and Riggs. He tells a story about his childhood frog he had. And uh, real crazy. We'll get into details about that. But essentially, it, it gets the point across. Riggs takes it as an angel in disguise. And he goes with the idea of uh, marrying Lorna, you know, marrying in a new light. And uh, she's about ready to give birth, but she wants to get married beforehand because he said, yes, I'll marry you. And she has to get married before. So they have a rabbi do like a quick fake ceremony. They kiss, they get married and the babies come out and then the sergeant shows up or not the sergeant, but the captain shows up, gives Riggs and Murtaugh back their ranks as sergeants, and he gets to stay as captain. They do a big picture, and a uh, big family picture, and it's and it's awesome. And the Hong, the Hong family is granted asylum, which is awesome. So that's uh, there's a lot of story that happened in this film. Let's get into the details of what I like, what I didn't like, so on and so forth. So... As you know, in the last movie, we started off with a really cool fire of the three, and then we had the credits, and then it ended with Lethal Weapon 3, and then the movie started off. This time around, we have uh, the Warner Brothers uh, blows up, and it has the w, the WB sign shows it blows up, and we have a big old four come across the screen. It says Lethal Weapon, the four is on fire. And there you go, the movie starts. So this time around, we don't have any of the, uh, you know, Mel Gibson, Danny Glover, the whole normal credits we get. And I like this. I like how they did that. You know, I think they knew going in this was the last movie. And I, I know they did just by the way that they ended this, which is awesome. I'm so glad they went in this knowing this was going to be the final chapter. And they closed this out. And I hope to God they never make a part five. I hope that will never, ever happen. But uh, I dig it, man. Uh, it's really cool seeing Riggs with short hair. You know, we never saw him the whole entire series with short hair. This time we get to see him in the normal Mel Gibson look. You know, I really like Payback. Payback is a super fun Mel Gibson film for me. It's one of those movies that I don't think it's a lot of love. And it, the poster says, get ready to root for the bad guy. It's kind of got like a, a monotone color to it. It's like an old, 
60s kind of style but it's it's not and i just really dig it and he looks just like he did in that movie except he's Riggs. you know he actually has a personality versus in that movie he's just like as dead as a doornail but it works because that's the kind of movie that his character called for but i dig it it's good uh i love the uh the beginning is this beginning is the best beginning of a lethal weapon film in the whole entire series you know, I thought part two was a great way to start off the movie. The bomb was funny, but this one is just action-packed. You got some guy with a flamethrower, and he's bulletproof, and none of the guys can get to him. He keeps lighting people on fire, and you just have uh, Riggs and Murtaugh just trying to shoot, and they're having a conversation while everybody's out there trying to kill this guy. They're just having a conversation about how Riggs can't be re- uh, reckless anymore because he's having a baby. Uh, Lorna didn't want to tell you. She thought you'd be upset the fact if she's pregnant. You could tell he's like totally uh, excited and shocked. And uh, we get a real funny scene where he strips down just into his boxers, Murtaugh, and he's got to go act like a bird because if it distracts the guy, Riggs can still do his you know, he can still shoot it, man. He still has his major skills. Let me just say that. But he's able to hit the bottom part of the flamethrower, which will kind of shoot the gas out. He goes flying into a gas truck. It blows up. Or I think it was uh, actual gas station. But he, anyway, he goes in there. He blows up. It's real funny. And Murtaugh just like, it's great that I look like a chicken, huh? He goes, no, I just wanted to see if you would do it, you know. So it's a great beginning that we've had in the other movies but it was so much action in it. It was great. I loved it. So it was by far the best of the whole entire series for a beginning of uh, of the series. You know, the way the movie opens, this is the best for the whole entire series is what I'm trying to say. And then we have uh, the guys on the boat. They have right away, they bring in Leo and uh, they catch a shark, which is kind of funny. And they start messing with Leo about... You know, do sharks eat their own kind? Now, there's only one thing about Leo. Uh, as you know, I've loved him ever since part two. I find him to be great. But there's one thing he does in this movie that I don't like. I love it when he says, you know, okay, 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 okay. This time around, he still says that. But at the end, he's added the words whatever. So he always says whatever, whatever. I don't know. I'm just not digging that one. It, everything else he does is is flawless. I love it. It's great. But whenever he adds the whatever, whatever after it, I'm kind of like, oh, man, I wish that was not in there. It's a small ding. You know, it's not going to take any star ratings away from the film at all. But it's just a small nitpick I have with Leo is the whole whatever, whatever thing added it just doesn't work now we get kind of a small emotional scene as you guys know in the first movie we had uh you know do you want to kill yourself you know go on are you crazy the second one we had the awesome and beautiful toilet scene the third movie we had the really great and powerful uh boat scene where Riggs and Murtaugh kind of um you know express themselves and just really tell each other how much they mean to each other well then in this one we start off there's there's little ones there's not one major scene we have a few scenes throughout the film so the first one we get is on a boat where roger's talking to uh riggs about you know being married 
that he's not getting married, even though, you know, she's pregnant. And he just kind of says, you know what? I just can't really let Victoria go. She's in my head. She's in my heart. You know, I know it sounds like BS and uh, it's a good scene. I dig it. It's fun. You know, it, it kind of sets things up for the rest of the film. Uh, we'll have a few a few of these scenes the rest of the film, but we're not going to have like one major scene like we've had the last three films, which was a little disappointing. But what we did get, I'm going to talk about when we get there and uh, how I felt about it. Now, it's kind of cool that uh, we see Leo as a PI, which uh, at this point in the story, it kind of makes sense because Roger and Riggs have made such an impact on this guy that we've seen him turn from criminal to trying to be on the right side of the law by being a, a private eye, you know, as close as he can get to being a cop, which says a lot for this character, which I really dig that they uh, that they did that. And there's a lot of funny scenes between the three of these guys. You know, I like the the code on the, the there's boat talk where, you know, they, they do the abbreviations of ATF and they start yelling at Leo. He's like, is that in English? And it's a real funny dynamic that happens on the boat. And then we get kind of like instead of a car chase, we get a boat chase, which is funny where we first see our, our bad guys, you know, the, the Chinese uh, triad starting to shoot at uh, Riggs and Murtaugh and, and eventually his boat gets messed up. And one thing I found interesting was they, uh, in the background, you could hear Murtaugh say, ever since I met Riggs, my house has been destroyed. My car's been wrecked. Now my boat's sunk. What's left? And then you hear Leo say, I think that's about it. And it really doesn't affect Riggs. You would think something like that would kind of maybe hurt your feelings a little bit. But when Riggs finally confronts him about it, you know, a couple minutes later, he's like, Roger, I'm sorry about your boat. He just kind of laughs at him and Murtaugh just like, oh, you SOB, you know, so it's cool that a little comment like that really didn't affect Riggs too much. I thought that for sure he was going to call out Roger for that. Like what? You know, you're upset that I've, I came into your life. I'm sorry. But no, it was just kind of like he's frustrated and, you know, he really doesn't mean what he's saying kind of thing. And I, I thought that was kind of cool. Now, let's talk about Riggs, man. Riggs still has it. He is like, I don't know, like uh, 500 feet from that boat when they first start shooting at him. And he's able to like hit, hit two of the guys that are shooting, hit a barrel, and the barrel goes up in the air and starts exploding. It's like Riggs still has it, man. He could still shoot really good uh i like that consistency that they never really took that away from him and what i love is when he gets a hold of a gun that has one of those lasers on it for uh the you know where to line up your shot and everything he does this reverse shot that hits the guy in the back and then he stands up and then shoots him in the chest and it was just like it was so cool now as we know from part two leo can't swim but this time when the boat explodes we see that Leo can somewhat swim this time. So he must have taken some lessons or something. But at least you kind of see some progression in regards to Leo's character. Not only has he become a private eye and trying to be a better person, but he's also trying to learn how to swim. He doesn't fully know how to swim, but he's able to kind of uh, get to where Murtaugh is. And then the shark comes back in the water, which was real funny. And then we get introduced to uh, Jet Li, man. And I'll tell you, like I said, this was the first movie, of course, that I saw Jet Li in. After this movie, I really wanted to watch his filmography. And I'm a big, a big fan of Jet Li. And let's be honest, if this was real life, there's no way that Riggs and Murtaugh would ever stand a chance against Jet Li. 
But man, is some excellent, excellent fighting in this whole movie. The choreography is amazing. Uh, they Richard Donner does a great job of covering up the uh, stunt guys. As you remember with the last film, I said that I kind of saw the stunt guys about three times. This time, I really only saw them maybe like twice. And even the times that I did, I totally forgave because the stuff that Jet Li was doing was just so amazing. It just kind of really overshadowed any sort of stunt person that was in the scene with them. Now, there's one question that I have. And that's in the very first, uh, you know, where this guy shows up and he has the passport for the forefathers and they pay him the money and they tell him to leave. And then as he's counting the money, he, you know, he's at a train stop, he's counting the money and they go and they, they push him in front of the train and he dies. Well, if they were going to kill him, why did they pay him the money? You know, that's what I never understood. It's like, I, I, I like it. The fact that it sets up for how they plan on taking out Lorna uh, and and rigs later in the film, but I just didn't understand it. Well, if you're gonna kill him, why did you pay him? But maybe it was so it wasn't an open public, maybe where because it. I mean, I guess technically it was public, so that was just something I was a little bit kind of questioning. Like, what's the deal? Why are you paying him if you plan on killing him anyways? But I think it maybe was just to show that he was alive when he showed there, and as an alibi, he just had. Um, a train accident is probably the reasoning behind that. Now, when we get introduced to uh, Chris Rock's character, I know uh, there was a confusion. Lisa the Legend thought that I'm not a, a Chris Rock fan. I was a Chris Tucker fan, but it's the other way around. I can't stand Chris Tucker. Anything he's in is trash. But uh, I like Chris Rock, which most people are the other way around. They like Chris Tucker more than they like Chris Rock. Now, Chris Rock, I don't think he's the greatest. I definitely think there's certain movies where he works and there's other movies where he don't. I think he works in this film and I think he works in uh, Grown Ups. But there's some movies I've seen him in where he was really annoying, where he was in like Chris Tucker territory. I've just never seen a movie where I like Chris Tucker in versus Chris Rock. There's various things that I've seen him in that I like. He does a good job of being Butters. I really dig how Murton Riggs have a different name for him every time they see him. Uh, you know, uh, Burger and Butler and all these real funny names that start with a B. I, d- I dig that throughout the whole film. And even when... Uh, they find out about the whole son-in-law thing and, and Murtaugh finds out about it. He still calls them different name than, but, than Butters, which is funny. Now, something I really, really dig is when uh, Riggs goes home and we see the new Riggs house where we get to hear dogs. So we get uh, we get Sam back and we get the black dog from part three. So it's awesome to see those two together. So can, again, consistency. Now Lorna, man, she is totally a different woman. She is very happy. She's, uh, you know, she's not pissed off. Uh, they both have a great relationship to each other. They're not being snarky or mean or anything. It's just, you know, kissing and hugging and uh, they have a real funny kind of sex talk is, you know, married couples would do about, you know, she's reading a sex book. He questions, you know, have I ever taken you to the, the top of the mountains and stuff? And she just kind of jokes with him and say, no, you know, you, you've never taken me there. And she's like, nothing comes between a woman and her food when she's pregnant. And then she's like, no, of course, you know, and, and Riggs just jokes with her how, you know, after this baby, I'll take it to the top of St. Helen. You know, it's just, it's a real funny kind of like if your kids were watching it, I, I mean, it's rated R, so you probably shouldn't have them watch it, but just saying they did it, it would definitely go over their head, but it's definitely something that 
married couples or couples in this type of relationship would say to each other kind of thing. And I dig and it sets up how this sex book uh, is it is Trish later on in the film you find out she's writing all these smut books and that's how uh, they get all this extra money that Roger gets questioned on throughout the film of if he's a drug dealer or if he's on the take or whatever it's kind of a funny side story that happens throughout the film that I really enjoy now you can tell that uh, they have a new trailer it's almost like they're in kind of like a trailer park but they're still by the water they kind of have two trailers now I like the fact of they didn't get like an apartment or a house she likes the whole trailer aspect thing so you can tell she moved out of her apartment and she went with rigs and it's like they built onto it they did a real uh, nursery and everything I, I like how they only have one scene of Riggs's place but I like that consistency it's still the same area maybe they moved but he's still by water it's still a familiar territory I guess is what I'm trying to say and I really enjoyed that it's a nice little touch it's something that really if you're not paying attention to you might miss or not really care but I care about that I care about those little tiny consistency things like the dogs and and all that other fun stuff I like the do you want to get married stuff that happens throughout this film do you want to get married well, do you? No. Well, me neither. You know, hiding each other's feelings, but deep down inside, they really want to. And you could just see their facial expressions that, wow, I wish he really would have said yes, or I wish she would have said yes. You know, I really dig that, uh, and which we'll get throughout the rest of the film until we get, of course, till the end. And then uh, we get the beach scene, which uh, she... Is uh, you know I went back to internal affairs and got an inside scoop, and that's when uh, you you find out the truth that she knows what's up with Roger, and she's like, oh, the pregnancy made me do it, no, and she goes, uh, he's like, I swear I won't say nothing, and he raises his hand, and she goes, it's the right hand, Riggs, and she goes, fine, but you can't say nothing. That's when she gives the information, and I love the look that she gives him after she tells him the truth. Like, I, sh- I so shouldn't have done that and he's so going to screw me over. But he does a great job of not telling Roger what's going on. But he does these real funny hints throughout the film that make it that much better. Uh, which I'll, I'll get to when I get to those scenes. But I, I just love her look after she tells him the truth. And I dig when they go over to Roger's house and... You know, that's when they see the Chinese family and he's like, I'm freeing slaves, man. And, uh, you know, you just see Roger or Riggs saying, you know how illegal this is? You know, you're breaking the law. He goes, you know what, man, I'm trying to free slaves like, you know, my ancestors, you know, and and you just see Riggs immediately go, sure, man, you need any help? It's just so cool that, I mean, they both know each other so well that they instantly will just go along with the other person. And it's so cool. You know, he's just like, oh, well, why didn't you just say so? You need any help? You know, I dig that. It was cool. I like how they didn't really fight over it too much. And uh, they look really good for their age, man. Danny Glover looks like he lost some weight to be, you know, if for this movie, he looks really fit for his age. And I like Riggs's look of the short hair. I think they look the best that they have throughout the series, even though they're obviously older than they have been in the other three movies. They just physically look so much like healthier and more fit, which is real funny since this is supposed to be the last movie and it's both of them. Uh, they're too old for this crap kind of, uh, theme throughout the movie. It's just funny how they actually come, how they look. It just kind of surprises me. Now, of course we get the kids back. Uh, we have Nick, 
uh, is back, and, and then we have his little sister, who they're both older, and I love how they just come. They're only really in like two scenes, and they come back to get money, and he goes, you know, I see you more now than I did when you lived here, and it was just real funny, and and they take off, and uh, that's when Riggs just kind of sees he's got all this money and these suits and everything, and he's just like, man, what's up with all this money? But he doesn't say anything, though. You can just see it in his face. And then we see Rianne come through the door, and thank the Lord... She looks great again, Uh, unlike last movie where she looked atrocious. This time, she's back with her nice long hair, just like she did in part one. Obviously, she looks more mature and she's older, but she's back to the way that I like, the way that she looked, and it's nice. And again, we really don't see her too much. We see her in two scenes, in this scene, and then we'll see her at the very end of the film. Uh, Same thing as Trish, really, you see her... Uh, during this scene and then after that you don't see her till the end so the family gets a little bit of a shaft but you know there's so much story that has to be told you know there's only so much that you can do and I can you know I can give leeway there and of course Riggs starts off by saying you know uh, how bad would it be if you marry a cop you know and they just start and you just see Trish and uh, Rianne look at him all evil looking not they don't know that he knows but just like oh man that sucks that you're pouring that idea into Raj's head when we're trying to get him to change his mind on the issue. And then I love the bird prank that happens. And that's where uh, this takes place about a year later after the beginning of the film. And, you know, R- Murtaugh is just like, this crap's been going on for a year. I'm sick of it because there's a picture of him in the paper being all naked, uh, flapping around like a bird. And you see Riggs saying, you know, if anybody, if I find out who keeps putting this up, I'm going to kick their ass. And you find out it's him because every time Murtaugh pulls one down, you see Riggs ask for another copy and he puts the tape up. And you hear everybody in the background just kind of chuckling. And that happens throughout the film. And I love it. It's just like Riggs playing a joke on Murtaugh. And uh, it's so funny because he knows how much it drives him crazy. And then we get the captain, uh, which the captain's great because he just talks about how this is the worst effing moment of my entire life when he gets to promote those two to captains and uh, they're rubbing it in his face. And it's real funny. I, I like the captain here, just like how uh, just how irritated and disgusted he is at those two and then he'll come back at the very end of the film you know it's so cool uh how the captain really has played such a big part in this series i mean obviously not big i mean maybe full screen time in all four movies we're talking maybe 15 minutes but he's still every time he's on screen is pretty impactful not nearly as impactful as the captain in the beverly hills cop movies but this guy rocks i really dig him all right now there was one thing that was a little bit funny which in the last movie when we uh, see dr woods you know the one that uh, has always been on on rig's case And in part three, she really let him go. And he says, you know, you look all nice and red. And he has his arm around her. And she was just concerned about Murtaugh. Well, this time, it's back to picking on Riggs again, which I thought was a little bit off. Maybe the only uh, inconsistency throughout the series is probably the transition between uh, three and this one. But it's consistent in regards to if you're taking the attitude that she had in part one and part two. It's just a little bit, I'm going to say maybe because she's so worried about Murtaugh, she really let go of her hatred, if you will, for Riggs. But there's this thing where 
she comes in and he wants to get her advice about if he should marry uh, Lorna and she just goes off on him about how you're wasting my time and you're going to marry Riggs. Maybe you'll marry your mom and he gets the best, The I mean, he gets total uh, comeback against her by saying, I will not sleep with you basically. You know, I always love that. My friends and me used to do this trick where if you were whispering, they would shout out to the other, they would shout out loud, no, I will not sleep with you and just embarrass embarrass whoever the other person was so it's just a cruel joke that me and my friends would always do if anybody whispered to somebody else you would always say no matter what they said you'd always say no i will not sleep with you so you would embarrass the person that was whispering it's just it's great and that's something that that Riggs does to her gets this final comeback uh against her and then you don't see her again so so i guess so much for that buddy buddy love that you thought they had in part three but I'm willing to go with this scene because it's really funny and it does still have the part one and part two uh, relationship factor going on. All right, now let's talk about Uncle Benny. I really like this guy. He's really funny. His real name is uh, Kim Chan uh, and he was in Kung Fu, The Legend Continues. He was also Mr. Kim in The Fifth Element. Uh, he was also in uh, The Kings of Comedy. He was uh, Jerry Lewis's butler. Uh, in that movie so i i don't know this guy he's just funny i mean they go into his place and they start messing around and he goes i'll give you uh 10 percent count uh cop discount or when Riggs is messing with them and he, he talks about fried rice he goes it's fl- it's fried rice you prick you know it's just i love the interaction between uncle benny and Riggs, you know, of course, prior to this is where uh, Riggs wants but- Butters to come along. And he goes, he has this really cool line where he goes, you know, maybe you'll learn to love him like a son-in-law enforcer. You know, it, it's just so funny how he threw that little thing in there. And that's when they go and mess with uh, Uncle Benny. And uh, one of the greatest scenes is when Leo shows up because Butters is in the back of the car and uh, Leo's like, who's the perp in the back? And he goes, perp? He goes, you think just because I'm in the back? And they just start going off on each other. And he goes, uh, oh, man, Chris Rock just goes off. He starts calling him all these uh, effing names. And it's just like, urine sample, hands up, gun, mother effer. It's just so funny. Uh, he goes, I never called you names, you F face. And uh, it's just a, such a funny scene. Of course, they leave Leo out to drive by when a cop shows up and they say, yeah, he's been drinking. We don't know this guy. And they take off. And uh, of course, Leo says whatever during the scene. But I dig it, man, how you see immediately Leo and Butters have that tension going on. And uh, it's just it's great comic relief. It's like Leo times two. Now, Jet Li doesn't say a lot in this movie in regards to English. You know, he does a lot of, uh, you know, you'll have the words on the screen when he's talking in Chinese. One thing he says is that uh, if we were in Hong Kong, you'd be dead. He says that a few times in the film. And when Riggs shows up to him, you know, because he's there talking to Uncle Benny and he's like, what's up, scumbag? He goes, I know you can understand what I'm saying. And then when they leave, that's when he's like, if we were in Hong Kong, you'd be dead. I dig how they just mess up his place. And he's like, go call a cop. You know, cops are already here. And, of course, they're on direct orders. You know, don't damage anything. And that's when we have Riggs 
uh, doing his little foot chase. Again, we always have a foot chase in the Lethal Weapon series. And during the foot chase, you see Jet Li kills the uh, guy that got away. Uh, in the beginning of the film, the guy that got away off the boat, Jet Li kills him and does some pretty awesome stuff and strangles him. And uh, you get to see just how awesome Jet Li really is. And then uh, after the, kind of the action scene goes, we kind of settle down a little bit where we see Roger go home. And uh, I really, really like the character of uh, of Hong. He's just really, uh, I don't know. There's just something about his, um, the way he carries himself. And he's just so, he's such a gentle spirit. He's only, you know, he just wants to do what's best for his family. Roger comes home, he's sitting in his chair and he's like, oh, I'm sorry, Roger. And Roger's like, no, man, sit, you're my guest. And um, they just, he's never had tequila before and they're just having a good drink about just being fathers and being grandfathers. He gives him a watch. He's like, you know, this belonged to my dad. He was a good man. It's going to another good man. And I really dig it, man. It's like he, you know, unlike the kid in number three, where when he died, you didn't really care because they didn't have him on screen long enough. Well, I would say that Hong is on screen just as long as Kid was in number three, but you care more because of that scene of them talking about uh, you know fatherhood and being grandfather and just the chemistry between them was just so you know so gentle, if you will. I just dig it, man. It was really sad when he died. It really sucked, and that's the one where you're just like, oh, you were devastated when he died. I forgot that he died. So when he died, it was like, oh, that one affected me versus the kid. It was like, ah, eh, who cares, you know? So uh, I definitely dig Hong. He was awesome. All right, so now we get to the point in the story where we see that Riggs is turning into uh, Murta, which this point in the series, it makes perfect sense because we finally have Riggs catch up to Murtaugh. Murtaugh, the whole series, has always been like, you know, I'm too old for this crap. Riggs has always been the one that, you know, uh, destroys stuff, asks questions later kind of attitude. But he gets, he's doing this like boxing, you know, match kind of just practice and pretends he's hurt, that he messed up his shoulder and he's just letting Raj know, no, man, I just couldn't do it. I've been feeling that I'm getting too old. Uh, and Roger's just like, it's about time, you know, that you caught up. He goes, you know what? I'm going to will it away that I'm not too old for this crap. And they both say, come on, man, say it with me. We're not too old for this crap. We're not too old for this crap, you know. And uh, at that point, his uh, attitude and, and physique kind of change a little bit where he kind of gets a little bit more, uh, you know, like when you're when you're really tired and you get like that second wind, you could tell like after this scene, he kind of got his second wind, even though he knows that he's still not like he used to be. And he's slowly trying to accept that. And, you know, from a character development standpoint, this is what you want to see. You want to see, you know, uh, kind of full circle, you know, where he's not so much the lethal weapon anymore, where he's really calming down and, and really becoming more like Roger as the days go on, you know, and that's awesome. And then uh, shortly after this, we find that Leo, even though he's a private detective, he still has a little bit of that dark side in him where he talks about scamming a lady by coloring her dog, uh, a dog that was missing the way it looks for her. And you have a funny line from Riggs where he calls him uh, Douche Ventura, the pet infected. And I thought that was funny. You know, it was relevant for the time Ace Ventura was out at that time. And 
uh, I, I dug it. I thought it was great that uh, Riggs did that. And it was just like, you know, you can't be like that. They, they lecture him again. You know, you got to be a good private detective, you know. And it's like it's okay for Leo to make mistakes. But I dug it, man. It's cool. You kind of got uh, Riggs busted on Leo again. And he went a little bit to the dark side, but he quickly gets reeled back in. So that was nice. And then, of course, we get the FU montage. As we know, the Leo FU montage, you know, the second movie we had, uh, he was introduced in the second movie. So we had the drive through, you know, you get, you get, you know, you get effed, then you get number three. And it's uh, first they drug you and then they F you. You know, it's the whole hospital thing. And this one, it's cell phones. Now, the beauty of this is now we have Chris Rock who comes in. And the funny thing is, is that they both don't realize that they're doing it until after the conversation is over. And they're just like, well, why am I talking to you about this? This is great. Chris Rock comes in and they start just going off about cell phones and it's absolutely priceless and great. Uh, you, I mean, you heard it. As you know, each of these reviews, before I start, I always play the Leo FU montage. So you, you've already heard it. I don't really need to say anything more about it. But this, by far, is the best FU Leo montage of the whole entire series. I thought it would be, and I do remember this, but it's by far the best. And the second one would be the uh the hospital first they drug you and then they f you and then finally would be the drive-through scene now the next scene was the most uh biggest surprise for me because i totally didn't remember it i remember the fight but i didn't remember that the house was gonna burn down uh i like the thugs that were in this film because one of the guys is philip ree who philip ree is from best of the best if you've ever seen that movie with uh Eric Roberts, it's a really awesome movie. He was Day Han, the guy with the eye patch. Uh, he's essentially the guy that is driving the vehicle, gets pulled out, and then eventually gets on the highway scene. He's the one that gets run over by a truck. That's Day Han. Uh, he's the one that fights Riggs in that big old uh, mobile uh, house kind of thing and fighting on the plastic and stuff. That's him. But this fight was great. Now, my only question is, I've, and I've had this since the first time I've seen it, could a real pregnant woman fight like this? I mean, if she literally knew the martial arts that you know Lorna does, if you were this pregnant, would you really be able to whoop the ass like that? But at the same time, I think I can go with it because adrenaline makes you do a lot of different things. You know, um, I don't know if you guys know this or not, but... Uh, you know, The Rock uh, at WrestleMania, he uh, fought for 15 minutes with uh, muscles pulled off of his bone and he didn't feel it until after the match was over and it's because adrenaline had kicked in. So maybe Lorna would have been able to uh, fight like this, being pregnant nine months and all and uh, still be able to whoop some rear end like that. Uh, it was cool. It's awesome. Um Believability factor, though, I was, I've was i always questioned at it, even as the first time I saw this movie. But, you know, I, I can go along with it, though. But, man, when they lit that house on fire, I was like, wow, I totally don't remember them burning down the house. And think about it. Everybody would have been dead. If it wasn't for that little kid that they forgot, everybody would have been dead. So it was pretty crazy. Everybody would have died in a fire, and we would have had the end of the movie. But... Wow, it was really shocking to see that house burn down. It really was. And then, of course, we move into car chase number four. You know, we always get a crazy car chase and every lethal weapon. This one, by far, 
is the most craziest of the car chases. Uh, I like the fact of it's really fun, uh, really action-packed. You know, we have a, a, what is it, a Grand Prix, or no, Grand Am is the vehicle, is uh, Rianne's vehicle that they use to do the chase. And now at first I was like, okay, I know that the plastic falls and rigs is on here, but shouldn't he be all caught? be all cut up but then uh, I saw him fall on the table and he's using the table to go on the ground so I was like okay that can make sense but eventually I would think that the table would wear down but uh, the thing that I remember was the jump I was like okay most cars when they do a jump and they land they totally either destroy the front end or they bust the wheels off it just vehicles don't work after you do a jump very few of them will so it was pleasant i was pleasantly surprised to see that when the vehicle did land that the tires blew out so it was more realistic it wasn't as off the wall as i thought it was going to be so realistic wise i mean this was a tiny bit of uh you know you had to have a moment of disbelief if you will versus the other movies have been pretty realistic up to this point you know I mean, of course, there's various stuff in each movie that you could be like, ah, that probably wouldn't happen. But for the most part, this movie's been really consistent. These movies have been really consistent about trying to stay as realistic as possible. So I was fearful that this car chase was going to be, oh, we got to make things bigger and badder. But it was brought back down to earth when I saw, you know, the things that were going on throughout this car chase. So I definitely think it's the the funnest car chase. I think the the best car chase of the series is number two. That's the one in the very beginning with uh, Trisha's vehicle. I think that's the by far the best car chase of the whole series. And I think this would be number two of the whole series was this car chase. So good times there. Now I love how they go back to the house, how Butters shows up, and I love how Butters and Rianne uh, look at each other and just like, you know, I'll call you and you could just tell he, he wants to embrace her and everything and they just can't. They got to keep the secret going. But I really dig it. I love the uh, the talk from Butters about being in the hood and how he had to stay on the floor and how he couldn't learn to walk till he was 10 and his best friend was a beagle licking his face. And it was just so funny uh, to hear his story. It was typical Kid Rock, uh, not Kid Rock, Chris Rock humor. And of course, the Uncle Benny scene was really funny with the laughing gas and the jokes that they were all saying back and forth. That was really funny. Um, it was just a really good time. That scene was supposed to be nothing more than just a great laugh. And that's exactly what it was. You got a little bit of information out of it. But all in all, I really dig that scene. It was probably one of the funnest scenes of the whole entire film. And I, I just dig it. I like Uncle Benny, even though he's a piece of trash. It just was funny just to hear him say the jokes about how he's screwing two of his wife's sisters and how Butters is actually not gay and he's banging, you know, Murtaugh's daughter and man, is she good? It's just terrible the things that they were saying in the conversation, but it was really funny. And then uh, shortly after that real funny scene, then we get the real sad scene of Hong dying. This, uh, this really sucked. I totally forgot that he died and uh, it just showed you how ruthless Jet Li's character was how you know you finish this or you'll see the rest of your family die and everything and it was just so brutal and then of course Murtaugh shows up and gets his watch back and he's taken in hard as he should and then you see uh, Benny die and then of course that's when you see uh, them talking about getting married you know they're sitting there at the train tracks and you just get 
do you want to get married? I know you do. Well, of course, you know, I'll take, I, I, of course I want to get married, but I'm not going to pressure you into it. I love you. I'll take you any way I can get you. It's just a really great scene. And then bam, you're just got hit from the back of the car and you're going to be pushed into a train. It's like, why didn't the first guy think of this to drive forward instead of trying to drive backwards? You know, it's like the thing that I would do in this situation. So Riggs was great. It was awesome seeing this guy, these guys get the, uh, get the karma they needed and they get hit by the train and it was just fun and of course Riggs is just like man it's time for us to just take these guys out and let's just go kill them and reminded you just like you know in the other movies it's like forget it we're just going to take out these guys we're going to do it our way just like we've always done so it's great to have again that consistency as always and I love it when they show up uh, to tell the general how they're being he's being screwed over with the counterfeit money i love when Riggs goes i f you i f you and uh we f you it's beautiful it was just so funny he goes why don't we just sit here and let them kill each other you know and uh what i love is how again just for consistency reasons we get raj you know turning his head which every time he turns his head and he shoots, he never misses. And you thought he missed because Jet Li got out of the way, but instead it hit his brother. So it was kind of like Roger still got a shot. They still left it to where every time he does his head trick, he still gets he still gets the job done. But that sets up the big fight between uh, between these two. And I like how they're like, you know, this guy's not worth dying for, but. Riggs is just like, I really want to know how he took that gun apart. I really do. Okay, let's go ask him. And they both know that they might die, but they're going to take this guy out. And this fight is just great. Jet Li is just tearing them apart. And, of course, uh, Riggs gets his shoulder out of place, which, again, consistency from the other films. It's just great. And once he puts it back in, he's just able to whoop his rear end. And it I, it takes two of them, obviously, to beat him. I mean, he had to be stabbed. But even underwater, the guy's still going, and he gets shot up. And then, finally, when that thing falls on Riggs, the first time I saw this, I thought he was dead. I was like, you're going to kill off Riggs. Like, what a way to end your film. And what I like is how, you know, we've always had this joke about one, two, three throughout this whole entire series. Well, underwater, they do one, two, and on three, they move the thing. So it's like, you know, I, it was just a nice little touch that you're getting the call back to the one, two, three that they always argue about. Do we go on two or do we go on three? We always go on three. You know, that whole joke that's been going throughout the series. It was nice that they did that underwater. It's pretty cool. Oh, one scene I forgot to mention is uh, during the, the shootout scene before Roger shoots Jet Li's brother, I love the shot where they're like behind you and uh, they're both shooting the person behind each other. You know, uh, Martin shoots the guy behind Roger and Roger shoots the guy behind uh you know, rigs. I just love the way that that was shot. It just, the camera angle and the way it was shot looked so awesome. I was like, oh, that was a beautiful shot. It was just so, the way it was done, it was really cool. So check out, check for that scene because it looks really cool. And uh, during, um, during that gunfight was the funny part where you get the reveal about how Trish is actually that woman that's been writing all those books. And he goes, are you boinking her? And he goes, no, I'm not boinking her. And that's when uh, he says, well, you know, Trish, yeah, Trish is that girl. And then Martin's like, so you are boinking her. And then he starts laughing. Yeah, yeah, I am boinking her. You know, that was real funny. You got to see where the money's coming from. You knew that Roger wasn't corrupted. It was just really nice. And you kind of got to see that uh, the family, 
had went through a lot of crap throughout the series, and it was nice to see that financially they were stable uh, with her job. You know, it was pretty cool to see that after the series is over, the Murtaugh family will be able to live on financially uh, with no worries, which is a nice thing to know. You know, you're not going to be questioning, gee, I wonder what would happen to their house or whatever. Well, you know the house will get rebuilt. They'll go back into it. And financially, they'll be solid. So it was really cool. You know, I, I like how they added that little thing to Murtaugh to where you're not really going to, you know, wonder what happens to him after this series is over. Now, uh, there's a little, you know, when they come up from the uh, water where, uh, you know, Murtaugh saves Riggs, yeah, they have this thing earlier how I will it, you know, I will away that uh, we're not too old for this crap or I willed you to, to come find me. And he just says to him, I willed you, man. I I heard you. I heard you, man. You know, and he's like, what took you so long? And, you know, underwater, they do their little finger thing. And it was just great. You know, the, the little running joke about we willed it together, you know, and I, I willed it, man. I, I willed it that I would hear you. And I did. I heard you underwater. You know, it was it was a, it's kind of dorky, but it's still kind of fun at the same time. And then we get to. Uh, the best scene of the whole entire film, hands down. And uh, it's not in the same league as the toilet scene and um, the boat scene of, you know, number three, but it's really close. And uh, that's when Riggs has finally decided that he wants to marry Lorna, but he has to let go of, you know, Victoria. And he goes to her grave and it's just like, you know, I'll be honest with you, I love her, but I just kind of need a sign. And we see Leo show up. Now, Leo, as we all know throughout the series, has just been the real funny, you know, real funny guy and just always has the craziest things to say. But he notices who the person is at the grave site. And he's like, you know, I want to tell you something. And Riggs is just like, what? And he goes, just, just hear me out. And he talks about how, you know, his mother had died. Uh, early in his childhood his father was basically a piece of crap and uh, his best friend in the whole entire world was a little frog he loved it he actually kissed it you know and it was just it was his his basically his security blanket the thing he loved the most and one day he uh, was riding his bike it jumped out of his bike he ran over it and he killed his best friend and he said then Riggs and Murtaugh came into his life and you know, um, you treated me like, you know, like family, you know, and he says that, uh, you're not, you're not better than froggy. You're just different and that's okay. You know, and it, and then he's like, I just thought that would be relevant. And he walks away and it's like, it's the first time you see Leo be completely serious. And, and then when Riggs is just like, wow, you picked a strange angel, but I got the message, you know, you always be in my heart. You always be in my head. I love you. And then he moves on. He, he lets go of that. He moves on. And then he hugs uh, Leo at the doctor, you know, at the hospital and just says, thank you. And it was just so cool. You know, it's like he, you know, it was just like, it was just cool to see that relationship between Riggs and Leo for real. Let him know that he actually cares for him and stuff. And they get married, you know, kind of fake, you know, just the, she hears the words they're married and bam, have a baby come out. And I love the ending where, Everybody's in the picture, even the captain is like, uh, no, we're family. And then the movie closes out with uh, various pictures throughout the movie. And then when they do the Mel Gibson, they show you all the different scenes from all the movies and same thing with Danny Glover, so on and so forth. 
And the coolest thing is at the very end, you see a whole entire cast and crew all in one big humongous picture. And the book closes, says lethal weapon. And then the four comes up and that's it. It was like so awesome the way they ended it, you know, and I love the fact that this series isn't a trilogy. You know, there's a lot of people that have their own favorite trilogies of all time, but there's not a lot of movies that only have four, you know, there's the alien series and there's not very many. And by far for me, this is the best uh, quadrilogy uh, I've ever seen ever. I think it will always be my favorite. Uh, this is by far the best cop series I've ever seen and probably will ever see in my in my lifetime. Uh, I'm so glad they won't be making an, a number five because they close the series out so well. You know, every character was developed from beginning to end, some more than others, of course, uh, but everybody had a little touch here and there. Uh, as far as my rating goes, I'm going to give two ratings, one for the film and one for the series, uh, kind of like Anthony does in his email because I kind of read it a little bit. You know, I was really, really struggling with it. Was this a five star film for me? I really was because, you know, the number two is five stars, baby. Uh, you know, number one was like a week five, four and a half. And, but number two, I said, is the greatest sequel I've ever seen to a film um, or either that or Terminator 2. I basically said, you know, number two is my favorite. It by far superior in every way of part one. So I gave that one five stars. And then part three, I said, I'll give it a four star with a caveat of four and a half. If it's not as, if part four isn't as awesome as I remember it being. So number three still stays at a four. This one, um, I would have to say I had a ton of fun with it. Really brought me back to, um, you know, like, the old days of like number one, uh, it definitely is far superior over three, but you need three in order to watch this film for everything to make sense. You know, you definitely can't have one movie without the other. You want to watch it in order. But I would say that this one gets a very, very strong four and a half stars for me. Week five. I can't make it as awesome as number two. Number two was just perfect in every way from beginning to end. Uh, this one lacked just a few things that I've come to love, especially the most, uh, the biggest emotional scene, which the Leo and Riggs one was was really good. It just wasn't as powerful as the toilet scene and, and the boat scene. Uh, but I really, I enjoyed all the characters. I had a lot of fun. There was crazy action. I loved the old school storytelling style of going back to unfolding the story as you go. And Martin and Riggs were just as solid as ever and they looked great and uh, I just, I really loved it. I, I would give this a, a week five um, and the strongest of four and a half stars I can give to a film. The series as a whole, five stars from beginning to end. It's one of the most consistent series I've ever watched in my whole entire life. Uh, solid from beginning to end. Like I said, even, even though number three was the weakest of the series, it still got a four star. I mean, that's incredible. So the series as a whole is five star. I think it's probably one of the greatest series I've ever seen. It's not the greatest series I've ever seen in my whole entire life. It's one of the greatest series I've ever seen. It's definitely in my top three of greatest series I've ever watched of movies. But I love it, man. I, I really do. I've, I'm so happy I did this series. It was a blast. And uh, let's uh, let's hear what you guys thought. So let's hear what STL Nation had to say.
right, our first email comes from Anthony Dabick Emailer. What's up, sir? He said, hello there, Miss Sunis. Like I said on Facebook, I'm trying to send an email to you, and here you go. The last movie currently that is of the Lethal Weapon series was nice. While it was shown throughout, this movie showed uh, that age has been taking a toll on Riggs and Murtaugh. It wasn't the main vocal point, but it was a nice twist that it was mostly coming from Riggs since he was the guy who in the previous movies would do anything and worry about whatever consequences later. Uh, now again, a new character was added and it felt and felt that Butters fit nicely. His interaction between Riggs and Murtaugh as well as Leo w- was surprising. Uh, having him being married and having a child with Lorna was somewhat out of nowhere, but having it set up a year or so in the future from the previous movie probably has a hand in it, which I don't know. It makes sense. You know, this moving on, uh, you know, story wise makes perfect sense. You know, Riggs to finally let go of his wife and move on and get married and be happy and have kids. I mean, it's the perfect step. It's the way that I would want to see the character end. So uh, by far my favorite scenes between the four was when Leo saw Butters in the back seat and uh, thought he was a criminal and the whole scene at the dentist. Uh, Wa Sing Koo uh, worked perfectly as the villain for the story. Uh, he was younger, stronger, and more vicious than the main characters made him a threat and gave uh, the questionable doubt whether he would have killed one or both of them, which I'm going to say this right now. Uh, Jet Li was the best bad guy of the whole series. Hands down, he whooped everybody's ass when it came to villains. He was the best. Perhaps one of the few complaints I had was uh, he hardly said anything, but it wasn't too much of a deal uh, since he wasn't in any real need for him to talk. Also enjoyed that apparently this was his first movie uh, that Jet Li did in America. Great start if that is the case, which it was, sir. Uh, how it ended, I think, was the best way to end the movie and perhaps series as you saw the characters getting together and saying we're family as the group picture was taken. Helped to show how close they have all gotten throughout the series, showing more backstage pictures shown through the ending credits was a nice added touch, which I agree 100%. Uh, when it's all said and done, I got to say that Lethal Weapon was a great series that was constantly good and there being no bad movie, quote-unquote, which I agree. There, uh, were also, they were also able to keep the same actors f- uh, for the characters throughout, helped it uh, with the progression. For the fourth movie, I'll give it a rating of 4 out of 5, and for the series as a whole, 5 out of 5. Good job, sir. Uh, it's definitely a series you won't uh, be disappointed in watching. That's it from my email. Can't wait to hear what you have to say about the movie. Until next time, see ya. Anthony, I'll pick emailer. Thank you, sir, so much for writing in. Uh, I know you're a busy guy. I always uh, love what you have to say, sir. So thanks so much for writing in. Uh, the next one comes from Cheerful Charlie. He's like, hey, Mike and the rest of the STL Nation. Been busy moving and unpacking. So uh, I haven't been on in a while, but I did play catch up with the podcast and I listened to the Elite the Weapon series. Thank you, sir. My favorites out of the movies were one and two, though three was a weaker out of all of them. Uh, anyways, take it easy, guys. Cheerful Charlie. Thank you, sir for writing in congratulations on the marriage and the new house and everything uh our final email comes from uh from watson monday night jason what's up sir he's like what is up masunas and the stl nation uh let me first say i've enjoyed the lethal weapon series so far and have been waiting on uh the one to be covered uh the was sorry let me let me start over my, my mouth's dry here okay let me first say i've enjoyed the lethal weapon series so far and I have been waiting on the one to cover the most was the fourth in this series, mainly because it was my first Lethal Weapon movie. 
that tells you how great this movie is when he watches the last in his series and loved it so much that he goes and watches the other ones. So it's just crazy that you went backwards, though. But in the past few weeks, I've acquired all four flicks, and now I have a different outlook on the series as a whole. But when it comes to Lethal Weapon 4, I've always loved this flick. The Lethal Weapon series has always been good about adding characters to an already stacked cast. I look at Lethal Weapon 4 as the closing chapter for Riggs and Murtaugh. I love Jet Li as the bad guy, and I like how Riggs and Murtaugh basically teamed up to put the beat down on him, which I agree. That was awesome. Chris Rock was okay in the film, but I can't really think he, uh, who else could have played the part, which is true. Uh, two of my standout scenes were the crazy-ass car chase and the emotional screen time between Leo and Riggs at, the, at Riggs' ex-wife grave. Yes, mine too. Uh, all in all, I gave this flick a 4 out of 5. Now, the series overall, uh, after seeing all four and putting some thought into, I would rank the flicks uh, 2, 1, 4, and 3, which is funny. For me, I would rank it as 2, 4, 1, and 3. That's how I would rank the series. So, uh, Lethal Weapon 1, 4.5. Lethal Weapon 2, 5. Lethal Weapon 3, 4. Well, I'm going uh, to wrap it up there. Uh, it's been fun finally seeing all the, all the Lethal Weapon films, and I'm waiting to begin the rewatch of all the Rocky films for the next series coming up. Well, sir, you take it easy and don't go popping too many tags. <laughs> you guys get the reference there? I'm going to pop some tags. Only got $20 in my pocket. I'm, I'm looking for a Oh, so good one there, sir. So thank you so much, Jason, for writing in, man. I really appreciate it. Uh, I I know you've been waiting a a long time to write in for that. And it's true, the Rocky series, uh, that's going to start next week. I will give you guys a heads up uh, before I do the Rocky series on Tuesdays. um, I've been starting this new uh, wrestling podcast uh, with my friend Ryan over at the D2R podcast. We spent about an hour just talking the Monday Night Raw. It's been pretty fun. So if you want to check it out, uh, head on over to um, d2rpodcast.com. But uh, I'm going to be doing an Underground Hour episode. It's episode 20. So it's going to be kind of special before I start the Rocky series. And that's going to be, it'll be the normal episode, you know, where you get the five songs, you know, the normal format. But these five tunes are going to be uh, my favorite uh, five tracks of 2013 so far because there's some great songs I really dig and uh, it's kind of a, a prequel, if you will, to what my top 10 of the year could be. There's a lot of music that's going to be coming out, but there's a lot of music I've really enjoyed. So I made a top five list and that's going to be in the Underground Hour episode on Tuesday and then Friday uh, I'm going to be starting the Rocky series. The plan is to get Jameson uh, on to tr- to try to do as many of those movies with me. So I'm trying to work it out to where he can come on for number one. So let's hope we can get Jameson on for all of them. That'll be that much better because that'll lead right into the 100th episode of Karate Kid. So it's always fun when he's on versus just me solo anyway. So uh that's what i wanted to let you guys know so that is it for emails guys let's get into the music spotlight All right, so for the music spotlight, I got a great one for you. And the funny thing is, you've already heard it today. 
It's true. I tricked you guys. The music spotlight, of course, uh, is uh, Sick of It by Skillet, the number one rock song currently on iTunes. You heard it in the very beginning of movie and music news, but now you get to hear the whole entire song without me talking over it. This song's great. Uh, the music video is awesome. You guys should really check it out. It's the fan lyric video. Essentially, they asked their fans to let us know what you're sick of. Uh, put it in an Instagram picture. We'll throw it in the music video, and you have all their fans uh, that are just saying what they're sick of. Everything from depression to murder to uh, rape to everything you can think of is in this video. It's really awesome. This song is amazing. I love it. It's uh, Unfortunately, there was uh, an accident that happened a few days ago. Uh, a Jameson, uh, I guess he slipped and he fell. He hit his head. And then he told me that he didn't like this song. So uh, I, I'm giving him time to rest and heal. And, and, and I'll contact him later at a different date. Uh, so we need to uh, keep him in our thoughts as he doesn't like this song. And uh, when he comes on for Rocky, uh, when you email in, please make sure you yell at him for his lack of uh, not liking good music. I don't know what his problem is. But anyways, moving on. The song's great. It's phenomenal. I love it. It's awesome. Just joke, Jameson. And uh, it's all good in the hood. And I want to thank you guys so much for joining me on this episode. Uh, I hope you've enjoyed the Lethal Weapon series as much as I have. If you want to write in uh, for the Underground Hour, let me know what your favorite song of 2013 has been so far. I know we're only in April, but there's been a lot of good tracks. Let me know. Just send it in to SweepDelayPodcast at Yahoo.com or STLPodcast at gmail.com. Or you want to write in on Rocky One, feel free to do that before I record that episode. If you want to follow on Twitter, it's STL Podcast. Go on Facebook, join the Facebook group, the STL Nation, or go to the Facebook page, www.facebook.com slash Podcast and like that sucker. And then if you can go on iTunes, uh, those five-star reviews really help out the show. You can do that for me. That would be awesome. So other than that, that is all I have for you. And it's been a fun, fun series. I think this is probably my favorite series I've ever done on the podcast. It, it was just so much fun. So I will catch you guys next week, hopefully. Uh, maybe it, maybe it'll be two weeks. I don't know. Like I said, I'm going to try to work out Rocky 1 with Jameson. So that way we can kind of make it consistent and he can be on every episode instead of just three and four. So... That's it for now. Enjoy the music spotlight, and I'll catch you guys on Tuesday when I give you my top five tunes of 2013. So you guys take care. Masuna's out. Is a reminder